faith in you and in your work on the cross. Lord, we need you for every step of following you. And so, Father, we just pray as, as your people. We just declare this morning we are dependent upon you. We are dependent upon the work of your spirit within us. We're dependent upon your word. We're, just, we're dependent upon your people around us to encourage us on the way, to help us to keep in step with you, Lord God. Uh, so, Father, we pray for your help. We pray for your work. Um, and we give you this time, Lord God, as we open your scriptures, we pray that you would speak to us. pray that you would encourage us in our journey to follow you, Lord God, um, and to be your servants. We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. All right, kiddos, if you'd like to be dismissed, you can follow uh, Grace out the back there. And as those guys go out, we're going to start this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to start in... Hebrews chapter 12, we've been talking about discipleship and specifically what discipleship means and why we're talking about it is just really simply, discipleship is following the Lord Jesus Christ, just following him in faith and following what he's, uh, what he's called us to do. And, uh, you know, so we, we just got to, back from Promise Keepers and I was just reminded while we were there, I was reminded of a lot of things. But anyway, one of the things that I was reminded of that, that is a little bit scary, right, is that so inside of the church and outside the church, the frequency of divorce is about the same. 50% of marriages outside the church end in divorce. 50% of the marriages inside the church end in divorce. You, yeah, you got it. Um, they were also sharing some statistics about pornography, and I looked up about 50% of men, they, they suggest, are, are addicted to pornography outside the church. Guess the percentage inside the church. It's about 50%. You know, the problem, is, the problem is not that there aren't people coming to the Christ. The problem is that there aren't people following him after their conversion, right? And so one of the reasons that I want to talk to you about discipleship is, is that what happens, what happens now? Right, you know, are we just waiting until the time that the Lord Jesus comes back and that he, and that he puts us and takes us into heaven? And the answer is no. Matter of fact, what we're, what we're at and what we're supposed to be doing now is representing now the Lord Jesus Christ on earth, to continue the mission that he started while he was here, and that when we come together as a body, we're supposed to be doing what he did. Amen? And part of that is discipleship. It's just learning to follow him well and to be obedient to what he's done. And we've talked about this now for a few weeks, but um, you remember the things that we've talked about. It starts with relationship. It starts with what in Jesus taught in John chapter 15. He says, he says, you have to remain in me. If you go venture out on your own, you won't accomplish anything. You have to remain. You have to abide in me. And so we believe as believers that my ability to live the life as a believer, to live out my calling as a believer, to live out my calling as a father and as a worker and as a son and as a husband, my ability to do that is all tied together whether or not I spend time in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When I'm in time with the Lord Jesus Christ, when I'm in his word, when I'm in prayer to him, when I'm asking for his help, when I'm declaring my dependence on him, the Bible says I can, I can produce much fruit. But apart from relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, apart from meeting with him, apart from being with him, Jesus would say, you can do what? Nothing. That's right. You've all, we've all read it together. And it starts with, with, with a, um, a relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not the only part. So we've talked about, too, about what it looks like. What it looks like whenever we're, whenever we're following Jesus well, it looks like obedience. But I, what I want to caution is, you know, but let's not get confused to just rote obedience. It's obedience because I now have a love for the Lord that I didn't have before. 
Because, because what he's done for me, what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross, has changed my life and my perspective on everything. Now I believe that he is the one who should be Lord over my life because he is the one, he is the king that I will follow, right? He's the one who's, who's become worthy of me giving up my life, and I've given up my life for something much greater than me. I've given up my life for the king who would come into the world and rescue men and women from the fate that they deserve in sin and in death and you and I get to be a part of it if we're willing to love him love what he's doing and follow him well amen I want to talk to you about following well and and specifically today I want to talk about sometimes about so um, you know so if I were going to ask you here who follows the Lord well and right every hand in the place shoots up no it's very hard isn't it? it's very difficult for us to follow the Lord but so important. So one of the things I want to talk to about today is what are the things that are stopping us from following him? What are the things that are keeping you on the sidelines instead of getting in the game of following the Lord, of, of fulfilling the calling that he has on your life? What is it that keeps you on the sidelines? What is it that keeps you hamstrung? What is it, you know, I won't mention any names this morning, but I remember watching a championship game last year in the NFL and I watched the star player, star running back in one of the teams who was, uh, said that he was hurt and he was on the sideline in a parka while his team was losing the game and he was doing like, he was on a bike exercise. Anybody remember who I'm talking about? But he was like on an exercise bike sitting on the sidelines while his team won the game. And I remember the, the report that came out the next day said that he wasn't hurt, that he, he actually could have played apparently. How, how tragic to be on the sidelines and watching your team lose when you, your, your star guy, your team, you know, your, your star guy, your key guy is on the sidelines in a parka in the rain just trying to stay warm. I, I don't want to be like that guy, you know. I want to be the guy, and I don't, not, to, not to make anything of myself because, listen, it's all about whether or not the Lord's doing his work in us, right? But I want to be the guy who leaves it all in the field. I want to be like Paul, right, who says, I am poured out. Like a, def- like a drink offering. I, I, am, I, I have given all of myself to fulfill the calling that the Lord Jesus Christ has placed on me. You want to be like that? I, I, I want to be that guy. I want to be like that guy. I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ well. I want to be poured out in this life, absolutely following the Lord, absolutely as best I can. And so one of the things I want to talk to you about is that there are things that the Bible says will hamstring you into follow- from following the Lord that will keep you on the sidelines instead of coming out and, and being a part of what the Lord is doing. So let's talk about that. In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 follows one of the greatest, uh, greatest chapters in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the chapter of faith. It's the story of all these Old Testament saints, probably some intertestament saints, but people who believed and followed the Lord um, in the Old Testament in, in particular. And it's these stories of these men of great faith who followed the Lord well. And the writer of Hebrews, who we don't really know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but whoever it was says, now, and he's looking back at these Old, old, uh, old Testament heroes of the faith, and he's looking back to their faithfulness to follow the Lord, even to the point of death. And he looks back at them, and this is what he writes, therefore, what therefore? Because of those guys, because of their example, because they're now watching, and he's going to talk about them kind of watching us now, like in an arena, like in a sports arena. It's like they're watching us now, and they're seeing us play and take our turn as a new generation of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, a new generation of God followers uh, who have taken their place on the arena as we all have this really short time period to play this game, amen, 
a very short time period, and he's going to talk about it being a game or like a game or like a, a running event. And he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfect of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, I didn't go that far in the notes, did I? For consider him, I got to read it though. For consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, the writer of Hebrews is acknowledging that there are things in this life that will keep you from following the Lord well. There are things in this life that can come up and will hamstring you and entangle you. And there is sin that entangles and there are things that can cling to you is actually the way the original language is written. The things that can cling to you and keep you from running this race well will keep you from following the Lord very well. And listen, I want you to preach this this morning because I want so badly for all of us to see it and to recognize it when it's happened to us. Because it's not always true that we see what's happened to us. That we're, sometimes you can be on the sidelines and you don't even realize it. Sometimes you can be hamstrung by something and you're, you're, you know, you're pulled up a little gimpy and you're not playing in the game, but you don't even really realize it because you can, we can all kind of tend to fall asleep on the sidelines and forget what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah, that happens in my life. Does that happen in your life? I, I think it does all of us. You know, you know and it, just like this, this last song that we sang, we need the Lord Jesus. We need his help every step of the way in this great work of his salvation in our lives. Every single step. And one of the things that he's got to do is to be able to come alongside us and say, this, is, this thing in your life is keeping you from following me well. And what I want to pray for us this morning, Lord God help us, to lay aside what Paul said, what sorry, the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily entangles. And see, you, the picture is this, is that, is that they would have something wrapped around them that's keep them, keeping them from being able to run this race well is the picture. And there's some things that can wrap around you and can hold you and to keep you clinging to you, something that entangles you, something that's wrapped around your legs or wrapped around your body, and it's keeping you from being able to follow the Lord well and to play your part in this race of this great journey, this great adventure that we call Christianity and discipleship in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, I don't want it. I, I don't want it in my life. I want the Lord to help me to recognize when I'm entangled, help me recognize when I've got something clinging to me, and I want his help to get rid of it so I can follow him well and I can run this race well. Amen? Are you with me? You men who are in Promise Keepers, you with me? All right, let's go. All right, so here we go. So I want to talk to you, the very first thing, there are traps or there are entanglements that we can get to. And the very first one, the very first entanglement, the very first trap that we can get into that is so common in American churches today is this horrible word called complacency, right? Complacency. Let me tell you, complacency is, is uh, it's the enemy. It's, a, it's our enemy. It, the, complacency will keep you on the sidelines watching everyone else do their part. And let me tell you, um, I want to I just confess some, some guilt here in, in some of this. Um, I've been talking to, to our other elders here, Scott and Jamie, and we've been talking a lot about you know, what, the, what the Lord wants to do here at Calvary next. And we're really, really working on some of that. We're going to be sharing some of that vision as that, as that comes out. But one of the things that I've confessed to them is that you know, it's so easy in church for everyone, especially a small church, to everyone to look to the pastor or the pastor's wife, particularly the pastor. I won't, I won't bring Brenda into this. Uh, you did get a little sun yesterday, didn't you, babe? Yeah, you're a little shiny up there on the forehead. All right, so I didn't see it see her for a couple of days. I, I kind of missed her. Uh, but anyway, so um, 
uh, but, but it's very easy for people in the church to look to the pastor and, and, and so someone needs something, call the pastor. Someone, is, is, uh, someone needs some help, so what, call the pastor. So there's a decision that needs to be made at the church. What does the pastor think? Listen, generally speaking, I don't care, right? Now, if it's regard to someone, it's re- if it's regard to a soul, it's regard to pastor's pastoral care, I care. But my problem is, is that it's so many times, it's so much easier for me to just go and take care of things that I exclude you from ministry. Listen, that's not the model of the New Testament church. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Matter of fact, Paul would write that the role of leadership in the church is to equip the people to do what? To do the ministry. That you're the ministers. I know you all call me the minister, but you're the ministers, right? I'm just the leader of the ministers, right? We're all hands and feet here, amen? We're all the hands and feet of Christ. We're all supposed to be servants of God and witnesses to people, and we're all called to do that work. And so I want to confess to you, I've been guilty of doing things that I ought to be asking you to do. And I want to, I want to step away from it. I want to step back and I want to say, you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ will empower you to help in this situation, amen? He does. And he's gifted you to help in this situation. And he's made not only a minister here at Calvary Baptist Church, but a body full of ministers here at Calvary Baptist Church that his gospel might be carried out, that the poor might be served, that, that, that God might be exalted, that the, the word of Jesus Christ and, and, the, and his gospel might be carried forward by you. Amen? Amen? It's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. That's good, though. It's good. It's going to be a little scary. But, but here's the problem is that so many times complacency steps into the, and so we, because we begin thinking, well, someone else, so, so you're, you're aware of the need. And right, so sometimes very naturally we begin to start thinking, well, someone else will take care of it. So you're aware of a need that someone has, you know, someone's, someone's struggling financially or they're struggling to put food on the table and you think, well, someone else will take care of it. You become aware of a coworker in your, in your, in your work office that's, that's, that's struggling and needs very desperately for someone to come in and give them encouragement. Maybe they're not a believer and they need to hear that the Lord Jesus Christ cares about where they are and has life and, 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 and growth and restoration for their situation. But you're, we're so busy and we're so, goodness, so important. We can't stop and to t- take time to share with someone the testimony about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in us. That's complacency, right? Listen, this is one of those sins that entangles us. This is one of those sins that will keep us out of following the Lord Jesus Christ well. And we all have to take it off. We all got to remove this complacency. We got to remove this laziness. And here's the other part is that so many times we're so caught up in our own kingdom building that we have no time for the Lord's kingdom. Right? It's just true. And in our culture in particular, in America, especially right now, it's, I mean, it's crazy. It's like we're all in a pressure cooker for time, right? They're just, we're running from here to there to the next thing all the time. And we have no time for anything else because we're so busy building our own kingdom that we don't have time for God's kingdom. Listen, if that's true of you and if that's true of me, we've got to repent because the Lord Jesus Christ wants your, not only wants, he doesn't just want your money, he doesn't just want your 10%, he wants your time, he wants your heart, he wants all of you, and part of that is he wants your service in his kingdom, and if we're too busy to do it, then we're too busy. You with me? There's some things that we need to let go of, body, you, you, are you hearing me? There's some things that we need to let go of because we're too busy if we're, if we're, not, if we're not able to spend some time in building the kingdom of, of God. 
Let's continue. Um, so listen, this is what Paul said. Paul wrote in Thessalonians in several places. Matter of fact, he's got a couple of paragraphs that is written, and he talks about warning the idle, I-D-L-E, not I-D-O-L, right? He says he's talking about warning the idle. He's warning those people who are on the sidelines, and he tells them, warn those who are idle. Warn those who are sitting on the sidelines. You warn them to stop being idle and to get busy I know this is terrible, isn't it? We don't talk like this. We talk about it's all by faith. There's no, but there is something about being busy in the service of the kingdom of God. Amen? It's true. And so yeah, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 13, that's kind of right in the middle of these few paragraphs. You can look that up later if you want to, all that part. But he says this, And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of what it's doing. Of, never tire. I'm going to have to read that. Never tire of doing what is good. There we go. Never tire of what is doing good. Never give up. Never stop doing what is good. Continue in your work of the ministry. Continue to serve and continue and don't be idle, he would write in other parts of that, of that, of that passage. Let's continue. So first of all, that we have the trap of complacency that keeps us on the sidelines and lets us, has us looking to, ever, to someone else to be doing all the work when all the time the Lord Jesus Christ is looking at you and I to be doing the work of his kingdom. Amen? Uh, and so that's the first thing that we've got to get rid of. We've got to get rid of complacency around us. The second thing, though, is, is, uh, is this trap or this entanglement of defeat and fear. Let me just ask you, and, uh, let me just ask you this. Let me, let, me just, uh, let me put it this way. In our lives, there is trouble. Matter of fact, this is, we don't call this a promise because it's not a positive thing. But the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was spending his last evening with, the, with his disciples, he says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. It's going to come. You're going to have trouble. And yet, you know, a couple thousand years, we're still surprised, right? We're still like, man, I just didn't think it was going to be like this. I thought I'd become a believer. And man, God was just going to pave the way for me. It was going to be like, you know, you know it's going to be like Candyland from then on. There was going to be like, you know, uh, licorice trees and gumdrops falling from the sky. And, and we discover it's not really like that, is it? Instead, it's a, it's a lot of work and there's a lot of trouble in our lives. Yeah. You know the funny thing? Before you were a believer, it was like that true too, wasn't it? But now, you've come to meet a man that you and I call Savior. Amen? And one of the reasons that he died is because he knew that you and I couldn't handle the trouble that we ourselves were in, much less the trouble that everyone around us was in. Are you following me? But then he came to your life, and he came to you and he said, you've got a problem that you can't solve on your own. You can never be good enough, and you're always going to have this trouble of sin hanging over you. And he said, but I will take it. I will remove your sin from you, and I will remove your shame and your guilt. And the Lord Jesus Christ put it on his own back in the form of a cross, and he bore your trouble. Amen? The worst trouble a man could ever find himself in is to be troubled and burdened with his own sin before a perfectly righteous, ferociously holy God. And you and I stood before the Lord with that trouble one day, except the Lord Jesus Christ came in and he took it on his own shoulders and he said, I will bear this for you, right? You know this about your salvation. Do you know this about the rest of your trouble? 1 Peter chapter 5 Peter is right this. He says um, in NIV, cast all your anxiety. How about that word? How about that word in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in the scriptures? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
Listen, here's the deal. We all the time come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, you know, I've got problems with my, I've got problems with my children. I've got problems in my marriage. I've got problems with my finances. What are you going to do? And then we go away and we're still carrying all of our problems. This is the same God, who's, this is the same Savior who came and he said, I'll take the burden, the worst burden, the worst trouble you'll ever have in, in carrying your own sin. I'm going to put that on my back, but you can't trust him with the rest of your life? Listen, it's, that's not true. That, 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 that's disingenuous. Those are not continuity of thought, right? If he can handle the, the, the death that I deserve, if he can handle the sin that I was stooped in, the, the darkness that I was in as an unbeliever, he can take care of the problems in my family. He can take care of the problems in my marriage. He can bear the problems that I have in my, in my relationships. He can take care of the problems I have with my finances. He is the great Savior. And there is no problem that he cannot handle and that he cannot bear. Amen? Everyone. And what he asks us to do, he says, you take those burdens and you cast them on me. You bring them to me and you let me carry them because you couldn't carry your own trouble, much less the trouble that everyone around you has. He is a great Savior. He is a great redeemer. He is a great restorer of relationships. He was a great father and provider for those who are financially strapped. Amen? He was a great healer of marriages. Amen? He is the great one who, who comes alongside a child who's wandered from the Lord for years, and he is the great savior of them, and he calls them, waits patiently, and calls them back in the family. Has that happened to you? Has those things happened to your lives and the people that you care for? Because he's a great savior, not because you carried around your own cares and your own anxieties. Amen? Listen, he wants to do it too. That's the amazing thing, is that he's willing and he's wanting. He wants to be your savior, not just of your soul one day whenever you die. He wants to be your savior in every area of your life today. Amen? He wants, he, and listen to what it says, cast your anxieties on him. Because why? Because he cares about you. And not only that, he is able to carry them. Amen? When we cannot. When we cannot. Now listen, this is a struggle for us, ladies, especially for you, right? We have problems that are with our children. We have problems with our finances. We have problems with our marriages or whatever. And we have problems in our jobs, whatever it is. And we like to take them and we like to set them before the Lord. And then we get up and say, okay, I'll just take these back with me now and, and go on about our days. Listen, there's this term, right, in, in, especially in this, in this passage in the, in the, in the Greek that's, that's a casting. It's a throwing off of your own burden. It's, a, it's, a, it's, like, it's, it's like a yoke. It's like taking it off of yourself and you're laying it there on the cross and say, I can't bear this. And Jesus says, I know. Leave it here. Amen? Leave it here. He cares for you. Let him carry those burdens from you. Listen, this is so confusing. I was, as a matter of fact, I was reading um, Dr. Paul Tripp. He, he was talking about, he's talking about there's two kinds of, there are three kinds of people. There are people who think they're responsible for everything in the Christian walk, there are people who think that they're responsible for nothing and that God's responsible for everything and they don't have to do anything. And then there are the third group of people who are confused. He said, almost everybody falls in the third category. I don't know how much I'm supposed to do versus how much God's supposed to do. Is that true of you? Right, so you have a care, you have a concern, you have something wrong in your finances, something wrong in your children, something wrong in your, in your marriage, and you don't know how much you're supposed to do versus God. This is true, isn't it? This is, see, I can stand up here and preach in generalities, and then you've got to go figure it out specifically in your life. See, this, my job's easy. Your work's hard, isn't it? Yeah, this is difficult for you, isn't it? It's difficult for me, too. It's difficult for me, too. Let me make it really simple. 
Let me make it as simple as I can. The Lord will give you opportunities to get involved in your own problems and to move them as far as you can. For everything else, you've got to trust him to take care of. You've you got to trust him with the things that are beyond your control. Amen? Because there is nothing you can do about it anyway. Right? The Lord Jesus Christ talked about this. Don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. And he would, you know, by extension, don't worry about your children. They're in my hands. Don't worry so much about your marriage. It's in my hands. Don't worry so much about your finances. It's in my hands. You do what I've called you to do. You do, and, but beyond that, the things that you can't carry, you leave with him. You be faithful to what he's called you to, and you trust him with the rest. Amen? All right, let's continue. All right, so, um, yeah, let's just skip it down. So, so we've talked about, three, about two things. We've talked about the trap of complacency. We've trapped it. We talked about the, the trap of defeat and the trap of, uh, of fear. I didn't really talk about fear as much as I meant to, but let's go on. And the last thing I want to talk about is the trap of sin. Let me tell you, um, let's go ahead and read that from 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter, Peter's so great. Peter, right after that 5-7 where he talks about casting our anxieties on him, in verse 5-8, he says this, be alert or be self-controlled and, and alert. Your enemy, listen to how he describes the devil. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen, here's the deal. Let me tell you about, you know, Paul would write about things. He would write about Satan in other places in Colossians, and he would talk about, he would talk about Satan and his schemes, right? Satan has plans. Satan has a game plan against you and against me and against everyone also, uh, ultimately, but he's got game plans against us where he's scheming and he's prowling and he's just waiting for an opportunity to overtake you and I, Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I know we're, we're Southern Baptists. And we don't talk a lot about the Satan because, right, some people pretend like there's a devil behind in every closet door, right? And we don't necessarily think that way, and so we don't talk about it at all. That's wrong. Okay, so we got to talk about it because Jesus talked about it. So let's talk about it. We have an enemy. And let me, let me tell you the way that I think he works. In my mind, and just forgive me, this is not necessarily that I brought down other scriptures. In my mind, but just from what I've seen about the temptation in my own life, he's always trying to negotiate terms of my surrender, Right? He's always trying to negotiate with me about, are you willing to give up what you're doing for this? And if I say no, then he'll come back a few days, weeks, months, years later. Are you willing to give up what the Lord has done in your life for this? Right? Tell, me, uh, tell me how the Lord tempts us. How the Lord, I'm sorry. Tell me how, the, how, the, how Satan tempts us. Oh, come on. Don't be scared. Yeah, materialism, greed, right? So he's all the time, right? So Satan's going around and say, would you be willing to get your life so tied up in financial trouble that you can't do anything because uh, you can have all these nice, pretty things? You can have all this stuff. Are you willing to give up your, you know, your time with your kids, your time with your, with your family? Are you willing to do that and just be working for debt for the rest of your life? Are you willing to do that? Negotiating with you. Are you willing to make that trade? What else? I'm sorry? Pride, yeah, so pride all the time, right? He said, he said, look, you can really be somebody. You could really be it. People could really look at and, and esteem you, right? People could really do it. Or are you willing, would you take that step? Would you really, would you, would you take, make this exchange, right? How about men, let me talk to you men just real quick. All the time this happens with us in our marriages, doesn't he? The, the, Satan comes along and tempts you with this in particular because he knows we're, we're, we're temptable here. He knows that pornography is a draw, Right? And so he's always looking to trade. Are you willing to trade the purity of your marriage for this? Easier. 
How about in temptations with the opposite sex? He, you know, always looking, always wondering, are you willing to trade what you have here for, for this? It's easy. It's, it's, it's quick. It's easier. It, it, it's less trouble, right? Here's the thing, though. Satan always hides the fine print, right? right? Whenever, men, whenever men fall into pornography, there's an effect. That it, it affects it. It shapes. It changes the mind. Sin always has a damaging effect on our souls, our spirits, our minds, our bodies. Always has that kind of effect. It has a twisting effect on us, and, and we all know this, right? We, we came out of that, and that's why one of the things Paul says, why would you return to that bondage? Why would you return to that slavery, right? Well, you wouldn't, but Satan likes to make it look easy. He makes it look cheap, but he hides the fine print, right? You're willing to go, you know, you're willing to spend time with someone of the opposite sex, and he's, you know, you're kind of wandering around in temptation about, well, you know, I'll just kind of go up to my ankles here, but I won't go any deeper, really? And he's hiding the fine print. What's the fine print? You could lose your family over this. Is it worth it? You could lose your integrity over this. People who have looked to you as a believer would look to you as a, as a man who's fallen and, and, and for non-believers who would look at your life. And this happens in Christian culture, doesn't it? This happens with leaders of churches, of large churches even, where they go and they mess around with some other woman other than their wives and they go and they mess around with someone and here go a, a whole host of non-believers and saying, yeah, look, see, and they defame the God that they said they worshipped. Men, who of you are capable of this? Yeah, yeah. Listen, this is step number one, is to realize you and I are, are so dependent and we got to follow the Lord so closely. You know, it's like if the Lord's here and I'm here and I want to follow him in regards to so many of these temptations, I want to be right here with him. You know, I, I want him right here with me because I know, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. How about that old hymn? So true in our lives still today. I need the Lord to help me. I need the Lord to walk along beside me because there is nothing that will hamstring you and your calling. There is nothing like it than sexual sin. There is nothing on the planet that is more powerful and more detrimental in the life of a believer than sexual sin. That's why Paul calls it this special category because not only have you sinned against God, not only have you sinned against that person, but you've sinned against your own body. It has a special category of sin. Listen, so important, and, and, and I, I don't want to just focus on those because there are certainly more sins that we deal with than, than that. But, but whatever it is, Satan is always looking to negotiate with you and always hiding the fine print about what it will really cost. One of the great things about following the Lord Jesus Christ is he told us, you count the cost, and then you follow me. You, you consider, you read the fine print. You go ahead and learn that, that following me is going to cost you the rest of your life. That following me is going to mean that you're going to have to learn to die to yourself and your own ambition and your own selfishness. You're going to have to learn to die to that to follow me. Jesus Christ never hid the fine print, did he? He said, if you want to follow me well, this is what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything. Oh, but the returns. Amen? Oh, but the glory that we're going to share with him one day, whenever, right, whenever the Lord God, whenever, whenever, uh, whenever uh, uh, it's taught in the New Testament that even when you and I give a glass of cold water, a cup of cold water to someone in need, God counts that and he sees it and he looks at it and he says, glory, one of the people that I turned around for my image and for my honor by my son, they're turning around and they're acting like him. And there's honor and glory and a crown for us for even the smallest amount of faithfulness. One of the guys we were listening to in Promise Keeper said this. He, says, he said something like this, like, uh, like God's kind of like, for a believer, God's kind of like your mama. You know, 
She doesn't believe all the bad things about you. She only believes the good. That's kind of how God is. You know, he, he, it, because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ poured over our lives and the separation of us from our sins because of what Jesus Christ has done, he doesn't remember our sins anymore. But we do something very small, like we give someone a cup of cold water in need. And he says, my boy, right? He says, but my girl, following in the footsteps of their Savior, following in the footsteps of my son, they're doing righteous things because of what I've done in their lives. And listen, God, help us that the righteous deeds that we do in our lives, that we never be complacent about doing them, that we follow the Lord Jesus well, that we don't get trapped in sin, we don't get stuck in sin because it entangles us and it keeps us out of the game, out of following the Lord, it keeps us out of the race. I want to follow the Lord well. And, and uh, here, let me... Let me, let me kind of close with this. Jesus Christ wants you to follow him, him. He wants you to be free from sin. He wants you to be free from those entanglements. He wants you to be free from, from, uh, from complacency. And, and here's the deal. Here's our great Savior. Instead of complacency, he gives you purpose. Instead of fear, he gives you courage. And instead of trouble, he'll give you peace. Instead of sin, he'll give you forgiveness and cleansing. He is that great Savior over every area of our lives. Amen? Don't you want to follow Him well? I, I want to. I desire to. And unfortunately, sometimes I have these things that cling to me, my fears, my anxieties, my sin, my complacency, and they keep me from following Him well. And I, but I need His help. I need to come before him and I want to declare, Lord, I want to follow you well, but you're going to have to, you're going to, have to deal with these things. You're going to help me, have to help me strip these things off of me so that I can run with patience and endurance and perseverance the race that you set out before me. I want to give, I don't usually give an altar call, but man, I want to ask you, those of you who went to Promise Keepers in, in particular, I want you to lead us to an altar call this morning. Can I ask you that? If you went to Promise Keepers and here's what you learned at Promise Keepers, you've not been following the Lord as well as you wanted to, but you want to follow him better, would you just come down and we're just going to pray and we're just going to declare that together? If that's you, if you could say that, would you come on down, men? And uh, now how about any of the rest of you? If you know that you've not been following the Lord as well as you want to, as you desire to, but you want to stand up today and you want to say with the rest of these, Lord, I've not followed you well, but I want to follow you better. I want to follow close in your footsteps. Let's just come and let's just pray together. Let's ask for his help in every step of the way. And let's tell him this morning, I want to trade in my complacency for courage to get involved. I want to, I want to trade in my sin for purification and forgiveness and holiness before you. I, I want to trade in my sin and I want, to give you, I want you to give me something better that I might follow you better. Let's do that this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come this morning, and Lord, we just all declare before you with, um, Lord, with outstretched arms that just say, uh, Father, we're, we're, we're just too easily sidelined. We're just too easily on the side, and, and, and we don't follow you well. And, but the great thing, Lord God, is that you knew that. And you've made a way to, to help us to follow. You've given us your Holy Spirit, and, and you have a way through him and through your word to strip away all the complacency in our lives to give us a real care and concern for the people around us, that we might be involved for your kingdom in building the people around us. And Lord God, I pray for that in our lives. I pray that you would give us that kind of care and concern, more than just ourselves, but care and concern for the people around us. Not to think of ourselves as being so important that we can't be bothered by other people's problems, but to encourage to, to step out and not to be complacent, but to step out and to ask for your help. 
as you minister through these men and these women this morning, Lord God, I pray you'd help us to follow you well. I pray for that. I pray for that this morning. Father, give us purpose. Give us a purpose at work to care for the people around us. Give us a desire to, to be, to represent the Lord Jesus Christ to them. Lord, when we're, when we're all caught up in our fears, when we're all caught up in our, in our anxieties and our troubles, Lord God, I pray that you would help us again. So we don't want that to, to keep us from following you. So Lord God, just help us to cast all that trouble upon you, Lord God, because we want to follow you and we don't want to be, we don't want to be sidelined by having so many cares and so many concerns that we don't think we can, we can do this anymore. We want to have the courage to follow you. And now, Lord God, finally, Lord, for those who are, who are struggling in sin and struggling in temptation, Lord God, call us out from that. Show us the fine print, Lord God, about what the enemy is wanting us to trade in. Lord, help us walk in holiness and perfection and purification before you because you did your part. You did your part to forgive our sins. You did your, your, your part to purify our hearts before you. And Lord, we don't want to walk in that sin and we don't want to mess around in temptation. We want to get on with the righteous living and kingdom building that you have set apart for us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these men and women who have come this morning. I pray, Lord God, that you make us all greater, better followers of you. Help us to be faithful men and women before you, faithful servants who aren't on the sideline but want to follow you well. We ask that in the Lord of the name of, uh, the name of the Lord, our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, brothers. Listen, I've, and sisters, I've, I've, I've kept you way long today. I apologize. It's been a great time with you this morning. And uh, let's just, uh, I know i know we're not very expressive because we're, we're kind of uptight folk here. But uh, let's just give the Lord a little clap. He is a, a mighty Savior. Amen. He desires, he, he desires to work in our brokenness. He desires to work in our weakness and to do amazing things in your life. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's get after it tomorrow morning. All right. Y'all have a great week.